Hello, everybody. This is Joseph P. Farrell with News and Views from the Nefarium on Thursday, July 22nd, 2021. Um, before we get to that, there's a little bit of housekeeping. We do have a vid chat tomorrow afternoon that will be at 2 o'clock uh, U.S. Central Time. I've already got some uh, comments and questions emailed into me, so please remember to get those in to me before about 10 o'clock uh, tonight. Uh, I need to go through them, print them out, and sort them everything. As usual, I'll be in there early, so I'm I'm estimating I'll be in there for pre-chat between noon and 2 o'clock, so that's tomorrow afternoon. That's the long-format vid chat, by the way, folks, so again, you email your questions and comments to me uh, directly. Anyway, the Nefarium is busy, as usual, and I want to talk about um, one of its major branch franchise offices in communist China. Uh, there's an interesting set of news, and I have my suspicions about what may be going on. And this has gradually been coming out now in some of the alternative media, not so much in the mainstream media, but uh, I suspect that that's going to hit eventually. And that is that China's government, China's communist government, particularly under Xi Jinping, is not all that stable. Uh, in fact, there are, and I've been saying this for about two years, uh, along with a few other people, but it's not stable. Um, there is factional infighting, as there always is within the Communist Party. Uh, and the pressures on the Chinese Communist government are, are beginning to be a little bit more than it can handle. We're going to get into that. So I have a couple of articles. One is uh, that was sent to me by one of our regular readers here, and I want to thank him for doing that. Uh, it's an article by an Australian thinker by the name of Paul Monk, and it's titled, Why Australia Needs an Indo-Pacific National Strategy. I want to read some paragraphs from that, and then I want to get to what I think may be the real source of communist China's difficulties. So let's start out with this Austria, uh, pardon me, Australian article. I want to read about... Um, five paragraphs from this article. I'll link the PDF so that you can read this article yourself. So here we go. Quote, the events of the past few years have demonstrated that Australia's strategy for dealing with the rise of China is out of date. It requires a serious and systematic rethink. We cannot go back to the halcyon days of Whitlam, Hawke, and Howard. We can't go on improvising in an ad hoc manner nor can we move forward safely on the lines urged by those such as Hugh White, who assert that China's dominance is inevitable and the end of American hegemony in East Asia is at hand. Rather, we need to reframe our strategic planning and diplomacy in Indo-Pacific terms. Xi Jinping has demonstrated that misgivings about his regime and his overweening strategic ambitions are warranted. He has shown that China under his aegis is not our friend. A trusting relationship with Xi's China's is next to impossible. He requires acquiescence and submission. 
That's the context for the Home Affairs Secretary Mike Pesullo's remarks about the drums of war. We don't want and won't accept subordination to Beijing. None of our substantial Asian neighbors from Delhi to Tokyo wants subordination either. Skipping a couple of paragraphs now. China under Xi is menacing, but also brittle. And it's that brittleness that I'm really concerned with here today. Not rising relentlessly, the immense expenditure is putting into surveillance, repression, censorship, indoctrination, trolling, and propaganda shows how insecure it is. Its attempts to corrupt or coerce many foreign governments betray a lack of ease or self-assurance rather than a mastery of the game. It seeks to bully because it lacks the capacity to lead. And I would go so far as to say it will never be able to lead as long as it's communist. Our strategy must play on these things. Audrey Wong, head of the Harvard Grand Strategy Security and Statecraft Program, points out in her essay, How Not to Win Allies and Influence Geopolitics, that wherever transparency and accountable government rule, China's attempts to suborn or corrupt foreign states are floundering. That may be why they're so influential in this country. <clears throat> anyway, we've begun to show that in this country. Beijing learns needs to learn that leadership must be earned and not brusquely asserted. Its assertiveness has alienated many, not buttressing the case for a Chinese-led order. That's why there's the quadrilateral security dialogue between the United States, Japan, India, and Australia. And, of, of course, I've mentioned this phenomenon of what I've been calling the quadruple entente for quite some time, although in my opinion, as I've said in previous vid chats and blogs, this quadrilateral arrangement includes Russia as a hidden secret member of it. In other words, I'm, I'm viewing Russia as the real... Uh, key to that quadruple entente rather than Japan or India, which are certainly important and certainly in, in, uh, in replacement to Australia. And final paragraph from this article, the problem is not China's wealth. And again, how much of that wealth is really there uh, and how much of it has been bubbled? And I suspect a great deal of it has been bubbled. Xi's actions and ambitions have rendered long-cherished assumptions about China invalid. Talk about the drums of war is symptomatic of growing alarm. However, our foreign and strategic policy responses have been rather reactive well before COVID-19 and precipitated confrontation. So that's the article. China's a big bully. We need to get along better and... China is brittle, but he's not really saying why, okay? Now, I suspect a lot of it has to do with some factors that we're going to get into in a minute. But here's the real reason I think that you see Xi's government behaving in this very brusque, assertive, bullying manner. And this is an article uh, that I've pulled off of Zero Hedge, Uh titled, Dam Near China's Flooded Zhengzhou City Collapses the Third in the Last 48 Hours. And I want you to listen carefully 
to these paragraphs here from this article, and then I want to kind of conclude and round this out for what it really may, may mean. Quote, a dam near the city of Shangshu in China's central Henan province has been destroyed by heavy flooding after being seriously damaged in heavy storms that have killed several people and brought the region to a halt, local media reported. The dam is the third to fail in recent days. Over the weekend, due to severe rain, two dams in uh, Hulunbur City in North China's Inner Mongolia collapsed. Fortunately, however, no injuries have been reported. According to Xinhua News Agency, the Meteorological Bureaus of Henan and Shangzhou have raised the level of emergency response to meteorological disasters to the first level. The Chinese media report that the subway, subway in Shangzhou was flooded and rescuers evacuated blocked passengers. Skipping a couple paragraphs here. On Tuesday evening, the regional unit of the People's Liberation Army warned that the relentless downpour had caused a 20-meter-wide breach in the Ahitan Dam in Daoyang, a city of around 7 million people, with the risk that it may collapse at any time. Final, final little paragraph here that I want you to latch on to. During China's rainy season, floods are a frequent occurrence, causing annual destruction, washing away highways, crops, and homes. However, the threat has grown over time, partially due to the extensive construction of dams and levees that have cut connections between rivers and lakes and altered floodplains that had helped absorb the surge, unquote. So in other words, this article is hinting that this dam building spree that the communist government in China has been on literally since Mao Zedong, and they have had previous dam failures, but now it's approaching a critical point. And it's the flooding in combination with these dam projects, I think, that have put the communist Chinese government in China in this brittle situation. And let's remember something else very, very significant for future geopolitics. I really want you folks to latch on to this. China's demographic population, the demographics of its population indicate that it's in that famous demographic crunch where the people that are aging in the population are not being replaced at the same rate. So this is why China recently lifted its one-child-per-family restriction and said, go have three kids, because they realize that they're in a looming demographic crunch that I think is probably going to hit sometime in the next 20 to 30 years, perhaps a little bit before. Now, you, tie, you, you, you couple that demographic crunch with a policy that has built out all these dams and in a way has exacerbated the flooding, and you have a communist Chinese government. After all, it's their policy. You have a communist Chinese government that is under severe pressure and under severe strain. 
And I think this is why Xi Jinping has been much more blustery in the last couple of years, because this is the second year running, folks, that we have had this massive flooding. And please note, this flooding is up north. Last year, and again, it's, it's also along the Yangtze River as well. So in other words, it's still going on in the south. But remember, last year, it was so bad that there were people watching the Three Gorges Dam worried that the amount of flooding may make the dam collapse. And I have my suspicions that that dam is not nearly as well constructed as the communist Chinese government has led on. So imagine, and, and I'm not saying I'm wishing this on the Chinese people, certainly not, but imagine if you have a, a situation where a major dam in all of these systems, like the Three Gorges, were to collapse, the pressure on the government may be sufficient to topple it. Now, I'm not saying it would topple the, the Ch communist Chinese system, but it may topple Xi Jinping's government. And remember, he's got some very stout, powerful uh, opponents in the Chinese Politburo that he's been trying very carefully in the last few years to weed out. So I think China is in a brittle, brittle geopolitical situation that's being exacerbated by these floods and by the commensurate and collateral damage it does to the Chinese economy. And here's one last, one last thought. These floods are a regular pattern in China. But what happens if you're, so to speak, tweaking those systems and using them as a cover for weather warfare. And I do think there's some of that going on in this case, uh, as I suspect there's also a bit of weather warfare or tweaking going on with the strange off-seasonal weather that we've been seeing in the central United States. So keep your eye on China. I think this is a very, very dangerous geopolitical moment because when governments get this brittle, they can easily and have throughout history attempted to preserve their power by provoking a crisis, and usually that means war of some sort. So in other words, to me, the war rhetoric coming out of Beijing is not only a signal of the weakness of Xi's government, but it's desperation. And I think probably the things holding back that desperation are precisely this quad arrangement that we've seen emerge in the last few years in the Pacific. Anyway, that's my thoughts for the day, folks. Uh, don't forget we have the vid chat tomorrow. That will be at 2 p.m. U.S. Central. I'll be in there early for pre-chat, as I always am. Please get your questions and comments in no later than 10 o'clock U.S. Central time this evening. That's because I like to read through them, print them out, arrange them, uh, and get them uh, kind of sorted before the, the vid chat tomorrow. Anyway, thanks for tuning in, folks. Bye-bye. We'll see you on the flip side.